welcome to the Moss Talk Podcast. Hey, what's happening with the world? Welcome to another episode of the Moss Talk Podcast. And of course, I'm your host, JJ Moss. And I got a very, very special guest on the show today. And he's actually my very first interview of the brand new year. And it's definitely an honor and a pleasure for me, for those, you know, as far as my listeners and my viewers, they know I'm a big hip-hop head. And it's an honor when I run across someone who I've never heard before or I become a new fan of someone, especially when they come from my area, as far as Tennessee or anything like that. Man, I it's an honor to come across someone that's fucking so dope, lyrically, musically, and, you know, just seeing, you know, how he interacts and how he carries himself on just on social media, man, it's it's a it's, it's a trip. And, you know, even while I've been preparing and researching and just listening to his catalog, man, it's like, man, why did I not hear about this dude before? <laughs> and I was I'm kind of upset with myself because you know, my first introduction to this man was, you know, tapping in with my guy Burgos. And when it just when I first heard uh, heard about him on uh, this record called 1995 with Virgos, I was like, bro, why have not heard of this dude before? And ever since then, man, I definitely been tapped in, just doing all the proper research I've been doing far as with his collaborative projects, his solo projects, his EPs, his singles, and everything. So we're gonna get to chop it up with him and know more about him and just you know get into the journey that is the one and only B Howard. What's going on, my guy? What's up, man? I appreciate that, man. I appreciate oh, no that introduction. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. No problem, man. First and foremost, uh, before we just get into just knowing more about you, man, uh, how are you mentally, spiritually? How's your family doing, man? How, how's everyone? Uh, we're doing good, man. Uh, everybody's good. Just finished Sunday dinner with the with the fam and the in-laws and um, had a good time, good fellowship, good drinks, good eating. Um, everybody good. Kid ready to go back to school. Other kid ready to go back to school. You know, so it's same, cool, bro. It's same here, good. <laughs> same here. Same here, man. Uh, man. Uh, before we get into anything, I know you watched the Titans game last night. Is that what? Yeah, yeah. And I was, I was, I was, I had my faith until I had my, I was holding on to my faith until the end of the game, man. And I was like. I don't know what to say. Just speechless and disappointed and everything all in once. It's like I thought we had that game. Who's nah, looking, well, who's with, good? with us losing six in a row, it kind of prepared me for what was to come. So yes. you know, I, they they showed me who they were for the last you know five six games. I didn't expect much, so I wasn't that disappointed. Um, so you know, it is what it is. We don't spend money on nothing as far as. <laughs> We don't spend no money on offensive line, no, no, no wide receivers. So you know, I was I wasn't too surprised. I'm still a Titan fan. I always gonna be Me a too. Fan. Always I do. Yeah. the, the ups and I, I, I wasn't uh I wasn't disappointed. Oh man, you're definitely right. Like they do not like spending money. It's like how you all expecting to build a championship team if you're not gonna spend anything? Like you all hoping to draft. I'm saying draft some of these late drafts and these other positions and stuff like that and thinking, oh, we're just going to come up on some talent. No, you're going to have to spend that bread. You got to spend some bread. You got to spend some bread. And you got to win for people to actually want to come to the team. So 
Exactly. It's gonna be it's gonna be a, be a rough spot. We're gonna have to draft some linemen and some man and get some protection because it's rough. It's definitely rough, man. It's definitely rough. Man, uh far as the way it um the hip hop culture has just been taken a just been shift up the last couple of years, man. What are your your thoughts and takes on just how the current hip hop culture is looking right now, like from your perspective? Um I think it's so much stuff. I mean, I, I think we are quick to call a lot of stuff uh, trash or, you know, it, it's it's not good or that type of thing. And I just think it's so many different genres, so many different lanes that um, I don't think that we can say anything is trash anymore. You know what I'm saying? I think that there's so many different people doing their own thing that you could just really just pick the lane or whatever genre or whatever type of hip hop that you like. Mm -hmm. And just say that's what you like. Um, I like the variety of everything that, that everybody has. And so if you don't like something, it ain't like trash, it's just it just ain't for you. Ain't for you know what I'm saying? And it just go switch and find another lane. It's just the more um upfront, the more popular stuff is kind of the same, you know, the trap, the you know, the the drugs, the the even with the females, the sex selling that type of thing, mm -hmm. that's more popular. But they don't make that the best. So I think you just got to quit being lazy as a fan and go find you what you like. Just like you said, you ain't, you ain't seen, you ain't never even heard of me. You've been doing this for a very long time. You know what I mean? So it's just something that you just got to find and do the work to find it. But on the flip side, artists actually have to do the work to be found too. So, you know. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And that's one thing um, while I've been, you know, been you know on my on my podcast grind you know that's one thing i had to kind of do was take myself out of the box of oh i'm just strictly just hip-hop and lyricism and stuff like that because you know it's a different ball game because it's so easy to put yourself out like on a platform music wise because it's not how it was 20 years ago where it was so difficult to get a record out or put your stuff in stores and now all you got to do is go sign up with TuneCore or Worldstar Distribution or something like that, bro. You can have your stuff on all platforms, no yep. matter what type of lane that you're in, lyrical, trap rap, drug rap, swag rap, all of it. Anyone can be a, like, can, can be an artist and upload their own project just like that. And that's one thing I had to really just tell myself, like, bro, everything is not trash. It's just not for me, you know? And, you. and yep. once I got to the point where I, you know, opened my mind and my ears more, I became a fan, more of a fan of a lot of individuals that I thought that I would never be a fan of. It's like, man, you just can't, yes, I mean, you can't put yourself in a, uh, as far as the consumer and the listener, you can't put yourself in that one box, just like an artist can't put themselves in that one box as an artist. Yeah, I mean, even as an artist, you can't call another man's stuff trash, because honestly, if you think about it, yeah, I'm, I'm a lyrical artist. I, I do pride myself on, you know, or what I actually say. But there's a lot of stuff out there that's dope that's not as lyrical. But the thing is, they can't do what I do, and I really can't do what they do. You know what I mean? So as, as much as as dumbed down as it is, I can't do it. You know what I mean? Even if I tried. But first of all, it's not going to come off as genuine. It's not going to come off as authentic. And they can't do what I do. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I think that's where the happy medium is, is that, man, it's just so much out there. Everybody just enjoy, you know, the music and like what you like. Yeah, you just gotta find, gotta just find what you like and just find what you're into. Cause I want to say, uh, I want to say, Virgos made a post about that a, a couple of 
weeks ago. And he was like, you know, he was like, I got to stop, you know, being so quick to call people stuff trash, especially, you know, I'm an artist myself and, you know, not paying attention to the point that they probably put so much into building this or creating this or recording this project. And I'm just, my first listen, I was trash. And right. when they put, we don't know the effort they put into recording this. They probably had to re-record a record or a verse so many times until they got it right. And it might be dope to them, but yeah. you know, just because it don't hit our ears the way that no, uh, certain stuff do, doesn't mean we just, you know, we just uh, automatically call it trash out the first listen. So I, I can admit to it, like I was like that, and I've got to a point now that I'm in media, and you know, I'm dealing with a lot more different artists these days. You know, I have to, you know, I feel like I feel like I have to open up more, and I just, you know, I can't be stuck in that 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 old mentality from 15, 20 years ago, as far as the mixtapes and the lyrical miracle stuff and stuff like that. Nah. No, no. Uh, speaking of lyrical, far as you know, in today's culture, do you feel like uh, lyricism has made a comeback? Made a comeback? Um, well, oh, okay. Let me reword it. Uh, do you think it's kind of like you know being pushed back to the forefront because at one point it did take a back seat for a while? Yeah, I mean, I think that people are. Uh, I think here's the thing. Just because it was said in like in a uh, in a way that many people may not understand, or you have to rewind the bar, doesn't mean that that's lyrical. Uh, I get flack all the time because you know I, I embody a lot of lyrics, but I'm not a Nas fan. Like like I'm not a, a huge. I, I respect you know what he's done and that, but it didn't it didn't res resonate with me mm -hmm. being from the south. And a lot of that stuff that he was talking about, but I know that he's a lyrical monster, but it just didn't resonate with me. Now, lyrics to me are are felt, not heard. You know what mm. I'm saying? So a lot of the stuff is authenticity nowadays that I think that's coming back. Now, a lot of the off camera and off uh, off record stuff of the authenticity. Is also bleeding into it, which makes you know Rico cases and all that stuff. Yeah. But authenticity is what hip hop was built off of. It's like mm -hmm. you were reporting what you saw. So I think it's bringing back to the forefront is just in a different way because people are being so true to themselves and they lyrics, and then you know it's resonating with with other people that live that same lifestyle. Now you know there's really only a few lyricists lyricists that actually still put that shit together like you know like cole kendrick those are, are lyricists the storytellers that type of thing but little baby thug them they but the baby they still lyricists as well in busy. my mind because they speaking to a different they may be speaking to a different lane but they they talking that they talking they talk about so I think people are putting more emphasis on on actually what they say, especially with the authenticity in which they say. I agree. I agree. Now, um, one of the things uh, I want to know from your perspective, do you think there like there's like a, a much needed balance far as within the hip hop culture? Because, you know, one of the things that, you know, of course, we can't. Just like someone couldn't tell me what to talk about as far as on my platform or the content I do. I can't tell an artist what lane to go in far as, you know, you shouldn't do that and you shouldn't do that. But it just seems like from where I'm standing, it's like 
you know, no one, everyone wants to be the one trick pony. Like you, just like you said, you have the women who, who are strictly do the sex uh, rap, pussy rap, as they call it. And you got the ones who do the, the drill rap and the ones you got who just do the strictly uh, just trap rap and stuff like that. Like, do you feel like there is like, do you, do you feel like there needs to be some kind of balance within it? I don't think so. I think I think artists need to make what they feel. You know what I'm saying? Like as an artist, you you are you telling your truth supposedly supposedly. Supposedly. You know, um God made everybody different. So if you just do that, then how could you not stick out? Like period. So I mean it's gonna be a wide variety of music. I don't the balance comes when within yourself, within the listener. Are you only listening to pussy rap? Do you need some more balance in your life? You know what I'm saying? That's where where the balance comes from. Like they don't, what the mainstream and everything puts out there, they can put that out there all day long. Like they, Kroger can sell pork chops all day long, but that don't mean I have have to eat pork chops. You know what I'm saying? So I, I mean, I just, I'm cool with artists being as creative and them doing whatever they want to do and then let the consumer pick and choose what their balance is, not what the balance that the mainstream is putting out there. Man, I like how you I definitely like how you put this. Salute you on that, man. I definitely like how you put this, man. All right, man. We're gonna hit the rewind button and we're just gonna get more into B Howard. Uh are you originally from Nashville or just that surrounding area? No, born and raised. Born and raised there. Uh what's that? I've lived on every side, honestly, but I've grown up probably the most in Antioch. Okay, because I, I, I kind of, that's what I asked because you, I heard you speak about Antioch and a lot of your lyrics. Like I, I hear yeah. Antioch a lot in some of your in your bars and stuff like this. So I was like, you know, uh, I'm like, damn, so he must be from uh, out in that surrounding area of Antioch. So yeah, I've lived in Antioch probably since I was like 13. And then, you know, here and there moved. Uh, Cause I originally, like when I was a like a small child, was like out west, like Cabot Drive. They didn't even consider it out west. There's anything past forty, if I guess it's not out west, was a Cabot Drive. Um, and then moved to Antioch when I was like thirteen. Okay. So, but then just been out here in Antioch for the for the most part. All right. How would you describe uh, the uh, upbringing that you had? Uh, I, was, I mean, I had a great upbringing. Uh, I mean, initially, uh, single parent, mom, you know, me and my sister. Um, you know, it wasn't like we was super poor or anything, but, you know, we had things that we needed. You know, she made sure we had things that we wanted. Daddy was around, you know, here and there. Uh, he definitely came around um, later in my life when I was, like, in high school, uh-huh. in college. It definitely helped me out a whole lot there. Stepdaddy. Was, was definitely there in high school. Um, so, you know, I didn't I didn't have the rough, tough, mean streets of Nashville. Uh, <laughs> that's why, you know, that's my, my my music doesn't reflect that. You know what I'm saying? And, and I never disrespect it. Man, that's, you know, I salute you on that because you, uh, you have a lot of artists or just a lot of people. A lot of people are so in love and infatuated with the struggle story. And hmm. they feel and which you know, I never understood that. You know, I you know, I've had you know what uh what I would call my struggles growing up, but 
I didn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, drinking out of jelly jars or, you know, I wasn't eating uh, water and cereal and stuff like that. You know, my mom, you know, said she bust her ass to make sure she provided us with the stuff that we needed. You know, we had a hot meal at home, regardless of what it was. If it was, you know, one of those Tortino's pizzas and like we ate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, we, we, we we ate good. We we ate good. It wasn't it wasn't now a peanut butter and syrup sandwich is definitely getting buzzed down. Like, <laughs> bologna sandwiches with the three slits. You know what I'm saying? I, three cookies. Bologna sandwiches. Definitely happened. <laughs> hey, it, it's getting smashed though. It's definitely getting yeah. smashed. So I, but it's just that you know one thing I always try to tell people, man, don't be afraid to tell your truth. You know what I'm saying? Don't be afraid to to shy away from your truth, or you know what I'm saying? Don't be afraid to tell your story. Like just because you like you see someone else's struggle story, oh they went through this and went through that, and people can relate to it. Hey, there are people who can relate to what you've been to, to uh, been through also. Yeah, and I, I think um i think it's disrespectful to, to the people that actually had to live their life if you didn't really actually have to live it that's why i never actually wanted to portray anything that i wasn't because i know people firsthand mm-hmm. that actually had to eat cereal with the water in it and had you know what I'm saying that type of thing so it's not it's not really anything to play with it's kind of disrespectful to even portray that part so i never i never had to do that i was i always that's the that's the reason why my name is b howard it's b is my last name. I'm gonna be me, and that's it. So respect, but. respect. And I always feel like it's it's mainly disrespectful for the people who brought you up because you know they tried the best, they tried their best way they could, yeah. and here you go. Oh, my mama wasn't there for me. Pops wasn't around. Family said, "Fuck you, nah. ain't gonna be shit." And da 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 da. And it's like, man, that's disrespectful towards the people who worked so hard to right. provide you with the stuff, whether if it was, you know, clothes or just some knowledge or something like that. Tried their best to provide you with anything they could, and here you go being disrespectful, saying, "Oh, you had to get it out the mud." Nah, listen. Nah, nah, it wasn't mud. That was you had some play though. <laughs> that ain't mud. You, you got it out the play though. <laughs> but I, I respect the fact that you, you know, you don't mind being who you are once as a person and as an artist. It's also, I, I definitely yeah. salute you on there, man. Now, uh, how was Beat Howard as a child? That's what I want to know. Like, how was like? Were you quiet or like how were you? I was. I was never quiet. I was always outgoing. Um, a lot of friends. I played basketball. Basketball was probably the, you know, 75, 80% of my life from, mm. you know, growing up to all the way to, to college. Only got into rap because um I got hurt and couldn't play basketball. Oh, so it's just kind of switched passions. But um no, I mean I was I, you know, I sang in the church choir, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, you know, went to a magnet school. You know, in high school, went to uh, Trebekah, Nazarene, played for them four years um, as far as basketball. So basketball took me, you know, since I was since I was eight, eight years old, that was really life for me. And that's where a lot of people know me from around the city. It's just hooping, you know what I'm saying? And then they thought, then they saw later on, you know, after after that, that I read and did music. But um, a lot of people just know me just basically from hooping, man. Um, and what was the uh, position you play? Always played. Point guard. Yeah, general. Figure that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So you say the city always known you uh, for hooping. 
And, yeah, uh, and we and we used to go down there to uh to Memphis for the for the MLK tournament down there with Hamilton them. Oh, uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Tony O'Rambo them were playing. Okay. Richmond them were playing. So yeah, you definitely well known then far as with the hooping. Yeah, so you yeah. definitely traveling in your time. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. So all right now, when did um now did music now then the hooping stop for you as far as in college or was it before you got to college? No, I broke my leg uh, my senior year in college and um, broke my leg to what, you know, like the bone came out of my leg and everything in a, in a uh, conference championship game. Oh, and so, um, yeah, I was in, I was like in a wheelchair for like two months, crutches for like a month. And then, you know what I'm saying, slowly started to get back. Um, but I just needed another passion. Like I couldn't play basketball. And I always, I broke. I wrote music and, and, and raps and stuff in uh, high school, but I ain't never like really been in the studio. But mm-hmm. um, I think uh, I want to say, actually, Paper City Paper was the first person to ever put me in the studio. Shout out Paper, yeah. definitely your national legend. Um, and Michael Bush, Big Bush, on um, on Second Avenue it was the first time I ever been in the studio. And um, but see, I know him from Hooper, so. Got in the studio and then and, you know once I heard my voice, I was like, "Oh man, this is, uh, this is pretty cool. I can do this." And then just try to get better at it as far as writing. Oh man! Now when that happened, far as that accident, far as with you being in college and you breaking your leg, like did you, like did you knew it right then it was over with and you had to find another path, or it took some time for you to like for it to sink in? It took some time because it, I didn't think that the rehab would be that long. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I live with six pins and a six-inch rod in my leg. You know what I'm saying? Right now, so I just didn't know how how long it would be. And I, you know, I tried to do it afterwards. Just like, man, it's just discouraging. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, I got I got hurt playing for something. I don't want to be out there hurt getting hurt playing for nothing. So I ain't gonna go out there and try to hoop no more for nothing. So, uh, you know, I still love the game of basketball, but like, you know. It just it just passed. I knew it was kind of over, probably about a month and a half in. Oh man! Now, uh, before we get into like how you get uh, when you started your musical journey, like who was some of those influences, uh, whether it be uh, local or mainstream, like some ones that you was like was always bumping in your headphones. I mean, really, with music, man, it started like early. Um, I say this in a lot of interviews, it's like my mom's. Um, like that 80s, like 80s R&B, like the mm-hmm. Anita Baker, Freddie Jackson, Bobby yes. Brown, Whitney Houston, that type of stuff. That was the vibe. And then, you know, um, in the 90s and stuff, when I used to go on, on my daddy's house on the weekends, that's when you get the uh, 8 Bottle and MJG, nice. you know what I'm saying, the UGK, you know, that type of thing. So it's more like a mix. And I think that's kind of where it comes with with uh, me and music, especially in, and growing up in church, you know what I'm saying, with gospel music. You know what I mean? That that plays a part in it as well. So I've always been around music, love music. My uncle is in the Country Music Hall of Fame. Uh, mm. Frank Howard and the Commanders. Shout so out. it's just in 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 me to love music. Oh man, that seemed like it's this is it's like the path that you was always kind of destined to me. Like, or unless like because it's imperfective, your focus was always basketball, and I'm pretty sure you didn't think like, damn, I didn't never think that you know. I'll be on this musical path. I'm thinking uh, you always thought that it was always basketball because you know that was you say that was like 75 percent of your life. Yeah. Um, 
Now, once you got um, now, when you got to college, um, besides uh, basketball, like what would you majoring in in uh, college? I was majoring in marketing. Mm. Um, I majoring in marketing just because I thought that you know I thought I could talk, you know I could sell something, and it, it was. And then I majored in a lot of fun in, in, my, <laughs> in college. Well, <laughs> nice. Had a whole lot of fun in college. Oh man, I know wrong with that. Now, um, all right, now it's like now you're switching to the musical dream, uh, the musical journey. It's over with for basketball, and you start you hear yourself, uh, paper puts you in the studio, uh, studio, and now you hear yourself and you're like, now I can do this. Now, what's the approach? Like, are you just instantly, uh, let me put a mixtape out, or like, how do you go about it? Now, the approach was, uh, I was scared to do it. I was embarrassed to do it. Um, I thought it was lame because I could do it um, because everybody rap. You know what I'm saying? Um, like, and so I thought it was lame. And so for the most part, and this has been for the majority of my, uh, my musical, if you want to call it a career, my first ever project was called it's just a hobby right <laughs> and that was like a defense mechanism for me to be like hey if it's trash if you think it's trash don't take it serious it's just a hobby i'm just doing this because i know what y'all know me for it's as far as hoover mm -hmm. but like uh you know as i continue to love it and get better and better and better at it um i still had that mentality because i had responsibilities and stuff you know what I'm saying i had a kid you know um family and everything. So I've always kept that mentality like this is just secondary just as a as a, something that I just love to do. Like a painter just can paint forever. And and I'm not necessarily pursuing it just because I'm not willing to throw away or sacrifice so many different things that maybe I got going on to pursue something that may not happen. You dig? So I, didn't, so, I never thought that, that I never that was never a dream of mine to be a rapper. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, now you said you were embarrassed, like, cause you was, like, you was ashamed because you know you feel like because of the simple fact that you was all like you're like, damn, I don't want nobody to look at me. Oh, here you go, another rapper. Because that's how it goes. You know, that's exactly how. And that was the same way because when I decided to get into podcasting, I was embarrassed because you know, as you can see, it's, it's a lot of podcasts out there these days, and but. When I found myself, I was like, the more I, you know, do my research on people and just study the different, uh, different uh, media personalities and stuff like that, and I was like, man, I really have found my passion for this. I really like, like, like what I do. Mm -hmm. Now, for you, was it? Did it take a while for to gain your like immediate circle, like your family, uh, your parents, and stuff like that? Was it? Did it take a while for you uh, for them to start supporting you on the musical journey? Um, it took a while, I mean, because like, like my mom is like a pastor's wife, mm. so that you know, what I'm saying that, that that was a conflict, so I didn't really like I kept it from her for a long, long time. Um, until it was like I just said, like, this is what I want to do. Um, I don't, I mean, I mean, my cousin always supported me, my sisters always supported me. Um, as far as the journey is just, I really, I mean, my big down, I never really supported myself. I was like, oh, I was, I was scared to do it because like, yeah, I think like everything that's popular is something is everything that I'm not. Everything is popular is shooting somebody, selling some drugs and doing this. And I'm not, I'm not doing it. You know what I'm saying? And so it's kind of like, 
I just want to do it. It sounds good. Um, it probably changed when I met Nice. Definitely changed when I met Nice because his music was so good and it didn't actually have to be. I could I could paint a different picture on the, on the beats um, that were reflective of, of what I wanted to say and what I wanted to do. And I just I just realized there was a lane for it. There was people out there. Like everybody ain't come from the trail, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even the listeners. And so I just realized that, and I was like, man, no, we just do it for for those type of people, for regular people like me. Exactly, man. How did the um? How did you and Nice end up meeting up? Um, I had a a manager at the time, Jay Lawrence, and he had a manager at the time, uh, Al Lozano, and they linked up and linked us up together. And I went over to the crib. And he had the big phantom, the big phantom keyboard. Mm. And he was just playing stuff. And I was like, dude, this is like some of the best stuff I've ever heard ever. And shit, from that day, we've been being dogs ever since. It's my brother ever since. That's like 15 years ago. Oh. Almost almost 15, like 13 years ago. Yeah. Cause I know he uh produced some of the stuff for uh plan B and uh, unbelievable, right? Nice has uh produced 98% of my music. Nice, nice. So that's the, yeah, that that yeah. that musical. Yeah. If you hear me outside of, uh, on another beat, it's probably either a feature or something like that. But like, if it's a project, he did all of it for the most part. Oh man, uh, shout out to you guys on the uh, LMM uh, giant. Y'all killed no. it. That's y'all that's, killed it. <laughs> it's definitely my favorite record right now. Y'all killed it right there, man. When you uh sent that to me and I listened to, I was at work. And I was like, wow, I like this. I ain't finna apologize for being dope, nigga. <laughs> I was like, yeah. damn, I like this, but I definitely yeah. like it. Yeah. Uh, who were some of the individuals when you uh, decided to you know, go ahead and pursue the music? Like, who were some of the individ- uh, individuals that you started link up, linking up with outside of Nice? Like, whether you're managers or the artists, producers, engineers, like, who were some of those people that you were able to build those relationships with? Um. Definitely build a relationship with Stan early. I gotta um, talk about that. I, I gotta yeah. talk about you know what I'm saying as far as the uh the Rand Clark project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna get into that. Um, but um Black Catfish, man. Um, I don't know if you know, you know, Black Catfish is a is a group out of Telehoma, Slim Chance, Five Three, and Bricks. And I was actually signed signed to they, you know, to their label, original entertainment, and uh rock with them for several years and they they did a lot for me as far as like putting a light on as far as funding wise, you know what I'm saying? And putting a, a spotlight hmm. on who, you know, me as an artist. Um, so they really, they really helped me even get a name just because of all the money they were spending, you know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. On, yeah, you know, promotion and buzzing and, and videos and that type of thing. So uh, definitely uh, originality in the same. We can't never forget them. Um, Capo from uh, from Concrete Magazine. Yeah, Concrete Magazine six one five. Yeah, he he's always had you know always put me in some type of position to be in a room whether I took the opportunity or not. Uh, he's always you know reached out, but he was definitely influential in, in that. And then you know we got nice then Chance uh, Chance Farmer. Mm-hmm. He's um he's a producer engineer. Um, but that's where we record, me and Nice recorded 
pretty much everything that we ever did early on when we first got on, or got in, he like got together. Chance let us use his studio just whenever, you know, come on in, you know, and, and without them, bro, without Chance and Nice, I ain't got a voice at That's all. That's so there's a lot of people to help help out, definitely. Um, and then, of course, you meet other rappers, you know, in the game, but like, you know, as of now, like, like Stan, that my dog, and, and that relationship, you know, birthed that Claude and Rachel. Man, that, uh, I was listening to that, that's like, and I'm still mad at myself, like, bro, why did I not know about this when it came out? It's like, I'm- You shouldn't be mad at yourself. We, we should be mad at ourselves for not putting it in your face so much, or putting it, you know, the, I think that's with both of us. We got life going on to where we don't even, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Put push it like you really feel like right. you should, right? But it should. But like it, it was, it was, it was a great. It was more fun making it than than the actual project is. Like, dude, we was really just, hey, bro, let's get a bottle, come over, we drink, chill, laugh. We laughing while recording like seventy percent of the time. And then we're like, all right, you want to you make a record? All right, cool. We were that, really just bonding and chilling. That's the thing about it. That's the vibe I get from listening to it. I was like, man, I got a feeling they probably was just like on some chill vibe shit recording this. Like, because that's what I get from it. And then it matched so well as far as the musical chemistry, the lyrical cadence and everything. just And the concepts. The concepts yeah. you got to come with as far as the songs, man. Yeah, I think it came from like, we because I used to go over his crib. And chill, and we used to uh like do a live, like you know, like a, a Instagram live or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think somebody in the comments, one of the comments was like, "Man, y'all like Cloud and Ray." Like, <laughs> oh, okay. So with that concept, okay, okay. You kept on rolling with it. Oh man, okay. Let me. Uh, we're gonna get more into uh Cloud and Ray, but I'm uh we're gonna rewind real quick. Now you said the uh, company that you that basically helped fund you originality entertainment. How you say you were signed to them for how long? It wasn't originally, it was a handshake type deal, but it was like, I mean, was that, was, that was my squad, you know what I'm saying? Um, I've been knowing them for so long. Um, and then they got into it, they he had a situation, Bricks had a situation, we had a studio, you know, and had the, the resources to, to push some artists. And the first one they pushed was, was, was me, oh, so um. You know, we did some sing- we did some singles. We did buckets, which was probably the one that that helped me the most as far as like light. But then, you know, um, I think we did a mixtape, uh, "Be Patient" mixtape, mm-hmm. and then um, after that, it just I mean, it just then you know we was cool. Everything was we still cool to this day. It's just like creatively, I didn't think that I was I was making music for like for their audience because they. Black Happiness is real flashy, flamboyant, real oh, okay. out there. You okay. know what I'm saying? And um, and that's their lane, and it works for them, and it's dope. But they they also dope lyricists as well, though. So that's why they fuck with me too. Mm. You know what I mean? But like, I found myself um, making music that I thought they wanted to hear, as opposed to what I wanted to make. Gotcha. And so you know, after that, it's just, you know, we just amicably moved on and. Well, it's good the fact that you guys will still, you know, be able to be cordial and still be able to keep a relationship. You know, when you're growing, 
that's good, man. Because most people, when they do their, they really fall out bad. Like, man, fuck you, that nigga. You ain't got to be in there. Like, no, I mean, and he, he could have, because they, they, they spent a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> they could have, you know what I'm saying? They spent a lot of money, but it, it just, you know, it was it, it ran its course, and it did what it did, for, I guess, for both of them. Now you said you was uh, basically kind of basically catering to their audience and their lane instead of, instead of just doing what you wanted to do. What were some of the mistakes that you felt like you made early on, far as on your independent rap that you look back at now? Like, man, I would never do that again. Not taking it seriously. I mean, it, it, it had nothing to do with them. I mean, uh, even the music. Not, not to say that the music we wasn't making that I was making at that time with them was wasn't jamming, but me just not taking it serious enough like um that's that's it like i always had that mentality like this is this is just a hobby you know what i mean i've always had a job or a career or something like that you want something where i go to work every day you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. i can't be you know what i'm saying on the road or doing something like that now they make accommodations to where it was always you know what i'm saying friday saturday sunday that type of thing but like I just never, I was never willing to jump out there and be say, hey, I want to be a rapper. So if I had to go back in time, I would probably, you know, if it was what, 10, 10 years ago, I'd probably make the jump and be like, I'm going to try this for six months, 12 months and go extremely hard on music and see what happens. But, and if you don't, then, you know, I just go back. Exactly. I just never did that. Now, as you're, you know, on your independent, uh, your independent journey as an artist, uh, are you, you know, g g gaining knowledge on the business side of things? Or um, it came later. I mean, I knew, I knew some of the business part of it, as far as like the, uh, you know, your PROs and getting, getting, getting with uh, a PRO, uh, registering your music. Um, not so much on publishing back then at all. Um, we did a few split sheets with some people, but it felt weird because we was just all about the music. So, not mm. really. I mean, you really just wanted to make the music part of it because there really wasn't no business to be made. It wasn't no business being done. If you ain't making no money, where's yeah. the business? There's no money. <laughs> you ain't generating no funds off of it. Like, <laughs> like, there's nothing. There's really nothing to manage if you ain't really making no no bread out of it. I get you, man. I definitely get you. Now, when did uh, when did you ever end up linking up and meeting Stan? Um, Stan tells his story way better than I do because um, it's a little bit blurry for me. But it was at the Rutledge one night. Mm -hmm. um, the Rutledge was an old like venue for hip for local hip hop downtown on uh I want to say second avenue um capo and uh latino saint used to run it but they used to have like either competitions or like open mics and all this other stuff and um i think one night i was in there and he was rapping and he was he was performing and like you know it might have been 50 people in there you know what I'm saying? They'd never seen him before or whatever. And I think I came back there. He was talking and talking. I was like, dude, this is dope. And I just came to like to like the front of the stage. And I think we just linked up after that um, a couple times. And then his, I think he was messing with Maddie Lee at the time as far as a producer mm -hmm. and did a record one day in Murfreesboro. And after that, we've been 
sending each other. We never been like, oh no, let's collab type stuff until recently. But like, we was like, hey bro, you got an ear? You got an ear to hear? We just bounce records off each other probably for 10 years. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, uh, the friendship grew like a couple of years ago when we was doing Claude and Ray. Just came to the crib, you know, had some bottles and drinking and chilling. <laughs> and then just just formed a vibe, man. Met his kids, you know what I'm saying? Met, you know, wife and everything. And it, and it just it just bonded, man. And Claude and Ray came out of it. And it's so just one of my dogs since then. So that basically lets you know there's like a real outside of the music, there's a personal friendship outside of it too. Yeah, I talk I talk to do every other day. That's good. Yeah, man. it ain't even all always about music at all. It's just my life and just everything else outside of music. Yeah. Um, uh, did Nice do any uh production on Claude and Ray? No. Okay. No, no, Nice didn't do uh anything on Claude and Ray. Um I'm not sure. I don't even know why we. I don't even know why that even happened. But we just didn't get. We didn't get one from him. But um, definitely, when we come back around for Florida Ray too. Oh, oh okay, okay. See, now you kind of already got about uh, no accidents. Like we're gonna get some. Oh, more. That, was your next, that was your next question. Yeah, because I'm like, because I'm just listening to it, and it's like, you know, especially one of my favorites is a uh, dope boy, and mm-hmm. I like it because of the simple fact that man, y'all talking about like. You got these dudes out here who still in their 30s and 40s still got these dope boy ambitions and ain't made it nowhere. You still, you know, flipping off this little pack or something like that. And it's just, I like that, man. I, I definitely like that. Or uh, one record, I feel like it was a bait, like a, I don't know, it's like a, it, it, I can see now, like, uh, like a club anthem was go go. I liked it. That definitely, you said I go go. Yeah, go go. Yeah. That's right there. That's a club anthem right there. I can hear that like jamming off in somebody's club or maybe someone's strip club or something like that because it's just the beat and like you guys cater as far as the lyrics goes. Y'all guys not trying to be super lyrical. It's like y'all, I guess, like the vibe, the whole vibe of. That's like, damn, I like this. Yeah, we. we I mean, you know, old old to us is new to somebody else. So you know, we can always revisit it in due time. Man, I just I just want people to get up on this like I am, man. I'm just glad that I'm having the opportunity to become a new fan of you, staying okay. nice. You know, I got nice coming on the show in a couple more uh, weeks and stuff like that. So, man, I'm I'm just glad that you know I'm tapping in with you know you know more dope artists. That's my whole thing right there. And then I like how you guys started off too far as the life. Uh, I I got a plan. It's just like I like the whole project as a whole. And so are you guys now you guys got eight records on here. Was did you guys record more than that or it was just a simple eight? Nah, we went with we I think <laughs> no nah, actually it was like maybe it was maybe like two or three that we recorded. We was like either it ain't time for that or it ain't it wasn't the vibe for it. Because we were still trying to we were still trying to just have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was the the nature of how it was even created. Um, but we got we got a couple of records that didn't make it that we'll probably revisit. But we um we definitely have about three or four done for Claude Ray too. Okay, nice, nice, nice. So yeah, I'll be on the lookout for that. Now we're gonna do a rewind right quick because I definitely want to talk about uh your 2017 release Plan B. Man, take mm. me back 
to like where was your your your, your thought process and your creative like juices and everything take me back to when you was putting this project together plan b was uh strictly coming off of the originality uh, originality entertainment situation mm -hmm. to where i felt i was stifling my my creativity and so plan b was this was this is what i actually want to do so every every record on there is um it's it's really it's really personal um there's no shots at them at all but a lot of it was a lot of feelings that i was feeling at, at the time that you um, hold into and you pull toward, this, toward the situation you know what i'm saying um but that i mean it, it came with some of my best work because it was really and that was one of the songs really the truth that rhymes i think that was one mm -hmm. of the first songs number that we five, actually, number, uh, five. number five yes. yeah i think that's one of the first songs that we actually uh recorded um but that's that, that was the approach that i was going for this is plan b like you know plan a of trying to be mainstream trying to you know what I'm saying be flashy and that type of stuff it didn't really work i mean you got you gotta think man they had i was in I was in clubs like Jazzy Sensation, which I love Jazzy Sensation, them my people. But like I don't I'm not that type of artist. Yeah, that's not your crowd. It's not my it's not necessarily my crowd. And a lot of people in there, they can see through that. You know what I'm saying? They can see that there's somebody else uh behind that, which is cool. But um I was in I was in places like that and I just didn't, you know, not necessarily didn't feel comfortable, but it just didn't they didn't the music wasn't res resonating the way that it was supposed to. You know what I mean? So that's what Plan B was all about. Now, between Plan B and Unbelievable, like you had a, uh, a couple of years as in the gaps, and you did release singles, you had features, and you did an EP in between those. But what was going on in your life during that uh, that time as you were like preparing for as Plan B? You got that out, and then right before you released Unbelievable, um, I had a kid. Because Plan B was. I want to say 2016, I think. I want to say 2016 or 17. But 17. yeah, I had a kid, man. I have uh, my daughter, Brooklyn. Hmm. And um, it was just like, I mean, like, you didn't really have, like, you got to figure it out, though. What we, we going to do, you know what I'm saying, as far as, I, mean, I don't need to be in the studio at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Be at I need home. to be at home, you know what I mean? So. I think just just time management. That's, that's all it was. It's like I ain't really got time to do it. Now I do it if it's gonna make me some money or something like that. But like, if not, I'd rather be at the crib. Ain't no wrong with that. That definitely no <laughs> wrong with that. Man, how is B? How is B Howard as a father? That's what I want to know. Um, I'm gonna push over for the most part until I <laughs> until the, I mean the only thing I don't I don't, I don't do uh. I don't do lying and I don't do attitudes, you know what I'm saying? That's that type of thing. But it, you know, anything else, I'm probably I'm probably the push over. You know, I got I got three girls, man. So Woo! I got two. Yeah. You two? I got two girls, one boy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I I'm, I'm probably the, you know, go ahead, go ahead and do it, type do it. Oh, man. So um now when you got to uh unbelievable uh do you feel like there was a change within you, in you uh musically or do you feel like you like you still in your same pocket 
Nah, it was it was definitely a change. It was it was um the older I got, the more um the more truthful and more personal I got. Mm-hmm. So um unbelievable to me was like even with the album cover, you can see it's like it's all pictures of me like early yeah. on and me and my family, you know what I'm saying? That type of thing. It's kind of more so pictures and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was it was more so it's more personal and um than anything. It's actually one of my favorite. actually I think that is my favorite album I've ever done. But my mind space was like, I'm just going to get more personal. Now the plan B was more so the truth of the world. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. as far as the world that rhymes and that type of thing, and some of it will relate to me. But um unbelievable is more so of what is actually me that relates. Oh man. Um someone that I see that you uh collab with a lot, um, if I'm saying this like Levac or Levac. Okay, yeah. uh who is that? I see that name pop up on a lot of your projects and let's just like you collab uh collab with a lot. Well, first of all, this is the first time I've ever heard anybody say who the hell is Levac uh in a nat in, in Nashville. <laughs> Vec is uh one third of the legendary group Bezel Gang. Okay. All right. Um Bezel Gang, they started a long time ago. I think when Vec was like 14 or something like that. Mm. Um, you know, South Beat Balling. I don't know if, if you've heard of that, but East the East also had an East beat ball and type thing. It was a, it was a while ago, but Vagano uh, have, have been doing it for a very long time, and I've always respected Vag because not necessarily because his artistry, just a good dude, bro. Like I, I, he's he's authentic. He's he's always been a stand up guy, just a, a a good dude, and he can rap, and I believe him. So I always say, pretty much in, a, in every interview, that Beck is, is my favorite Nashville rapper of all time. And wow, man. Okay. Know well, just when I want to, um, I'm saying when I chopped it up with uh, Virgos, and it's like, man, B.I. was, in my opinion, is like the hardest rapper out of Nashville. And it's like, just listen to that verse on 1995, and then just listening to your catalog. And I was like, he's a beast, but it's something different about him. It's like you don't hear the other stuff, like, but you can tell he's being him. That's like a plus for me. Like, I yeah. definitely like that, man. I definitely. It's like different. That. It's, it's only one. It's like I said, it's only one you, man. Why would I? Why would I try to do something else that somebody's already done? You've heard that before. You've seen that movie before. Yes, you've seen these reruns. Yeah. Um, one thing I also see is that you have a you have also a relationship with uh Capital Minds. Uh, you know, of course, Virgos, Soul Man, Sipes, uh, yeah. Danny Wiz, and all them. Like, how did that come about? Um, I went to a show. I think I um uh, I think Snipes, either Snipes, I think it was Virgo that asked me to perform at a show. It was a long time ago. Um, and I I saw Soul Man Snipes at that time perform that night. And I was like, dude, it's so hard. And I was like, man, you remind me so much of Crick. But like, it was also the uh, the individuality of both of them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was like they are who they are, and that's what I related to. And I was like, man, that 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 was always dope. And then uh, uh, Snipes end up um, 
managing and working with nice uh, not managing nice but uh working with nice as far as the artists that he was working with bringing them getting production and stuff like that so i always would be around him and and, and that type of thing but uh i've always respected virgos and and uh snipes man both um but yeah i think it was it was at a show that virgos had a long time ago he asked me to perform yeah because i um now i saw you uh you did yeah you had to join with they need weeds and i was like damn because i like him too and then i uh, had him on the show last year when he was promoting this project and i was like that, okay that dude that dude is crazy man like he's his um his catalog is crazy see nice work with him he worked with nice as well mm -hmm. um but yeah, the, and then yeah, Snipes uh man, you know, it, it was working with Weeds too, so it just it just came together perfect. But um Weeze is all any anytime that I actually uh write some music that needs a voice, I always got Weeze in mind as far as the, the soulful part of it, because he's gonna mm -hmm. he gonna make you feel it. And he got that he got that church back he come from that church background and stuff yeah, like that. Man. Like, yeah. He definitely got, got bars too. Yeah, I don't sleep on Yes, he do. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. he do. He definitely do, man. Shout out to Weezy KO, man. He just had a baby too, man. Shout out to him. Ah, yes. Congrats, 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 yeah. congrats, man. So he said we uh it definitely could be getting uh Claude and Ray too. Uh are we gonna be getting any B. Howard solo projects? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually um me and Nice been working, man. We um we probably like four or five in. We ain't gonna do like too many, but we, we probably like four or five in on that one too. So we we just looking for we just gonna do a couple more. It just ain't ain't you know, everybody got lives now, man. So it ain't like we yeah. can get in. Let's go, all right, we're gonna get in at twelve o'clock on a Tuesday. Nah. <laughs> It ain't, yeah. it ain't happen like that. So in due time, when everybody you know schedule yeah. permits and, and time permits, then then we get it in. Oh man! So uh, yeah, I'll be looking forward to it. Definitely, I definitely will. And uh, before we even wrap this up, I'm gonna let you know my platform is yours. Any promotion that you need, anything that you need, man, just hit me up. You know, I'm always open because you know I'm definitely gonna be a supporter until the end of it. You know, because I like what you got going. You know, I like the uh, the movement and everything. So I'm glad that I had the opportunity to chop it up with you, man. Man, I appreciate you having me. Any platform that I could possibly be on is is definitely appreciated. So salute to you, and I I'll definitely support anything you got going on in the future, bro. Man, I appreciate it, man. For anyone who's trying to get in contact with you, on trying to get a feature, trying to get some work in, man, how can they contact you? Uh, at behoward615 on all social media platforms. At behoward615. Y'all go stream that, that, that new LOM record, man. Appreciate yes, please nice. do. Please do. Please do. Please do. It is a very, very dope record. Also, y'all go check out, you know what I'm saying, Claude and Ray. Go check out Unbelievable. Go check out Plan B. Go check out it. Just type in B Howard and go run this man's streaming numbers up, man. Go run them numbers up. He definitely deserves it, man. He definitely deserves it. He's a very dope but different individual when it comes to the artistry. Dope, man. I appreciate it, bro. No problem, man. This is B. Howard. I'm JJ Moss, and we are out. Yeah.